Brown says, get that India, big boy. Welcome back, folks. I'm John, but probably better known as 4020, and uh, this is the tip sheet. Joining me, as always, is my good mate, 60s. 60 Champ, good to have you back. 2021, mate. We survived 2020, and we're back. Oh, mate. Let's be glad that we've got that last year behind us. Let's look forward to what should be a bumper year for Rugby League and hopefully our Parramatta Reels, eh? Yeah, well, we're tipping a big one across a few grades, so it's going to be a very exciting season, uh, whether it's in the junior reps, the Jersey flag, the Canterbury Cup, or the big one, the NRL Premiership, which means there's a lot of content to cover on TCT in the tip sheet. Mate, we've got a really big year coming ahead. There's going to be some terrific coverage that we'll provide of the junior reps, and uh, we're getting out and about and meeting as many people as we can who are involved in rugby league in the area. And uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that during the podcast. And a, a sneaky little uh, a little tip, but I think there's some big things in store for TCT this year. So uh, look forward to that. Very much so, mate. Exciting times. Very, very exciting times. All right, let's get into the action. Plenty to talk about in this episode of the tip sheet. Uh, let's start with some Parramatta news, mate. What have you seen? What have you got to tell me? Well, the old bumpers up column was out this week and some of the things that I was looking at that I thought we'd just revisit very quickly. The old Daily Telegraph's up to their uh, tricks again with the fake news, the BA news about the rumour that Flanagan is being courted to take over from BA. I don't want to get too much into that. I think someone like Flanagan, his, his track record with the NRL, I think it speaks for itself as as far as, well, let's face it, he's not even eligible to coach at the moment. He's he's on a ban from the NRL, so any suggestion that the that the Eels would be interested in him just wouldn't make sense and for a start. Credit to the club; they didn't let the uh, article fester and stew. They immediately got onto the front foot and uh, issued a, a pretty authoritative declaration. Well, I think that's an important thing to mention: is that you probably couldn't have had anything more definitive than uh, what Jim Sarantinos said in his reply. And I quote, I've spoken to no other coach. Our chairman has spoken to no other coach. There has been no consideration or discussion about anyone else. We're fully invested in Brad. We'd like him to be here well beyond the next two years. If there's progress, you back your people. Now, that's what has been quoted as Jim Sarantino saying in the Daily Telegraph in his response to them. It backs up pretty much the sentiments that we've heard around the club within the last couple of years anyway, mate. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I don't want to say to be fair to the Daily Telegraph, but in in the perspective of the Daily Telegraph's article, uh, in perspective of the Daily Telegraph, sorry, the article writes itself, and they've they've got the sort of uh, ability to fall back onto yeah. Well, we've heard the rumours, and you know, Parramatta is always a, a hot topic club, especially in terms of the head coach, 
And uh, I think that they're trying to reason that because Brad hasn't had the final success that it uh, not expected, but you know that he should have had, according to them, that it's easier than to write that article. So good to see the club come out in the front foot and and put the kibosh on that talk, uh, because the last thing you need is heading into such a huge season having the media be able to play out that sort of drama and get it on the minds of the players and coaches. Look, I think a, an article like that's an interesting take because they could probably turn around and say, we've dedicated the headline and 90% of the article towards explaining why Brad Arthur isn't in any sort of position of pressure. That is a fair a fair and sort of amusing point, isn't it? That he's yes. sort of his road work and, and track record is speaking for himself. And the only thing that the literally the only blemish is not getting past the second week of the finals, of which there is some, you know, uh, more than some. There, there is very explainable reasons for that um, with a young squad that is still on the ascent. But instead of focusing on his success, it's easy to manipulate that into a, a big uh, sort of come and see this negative article. Yeah. It, but in, in presenting the side of the argument from the Parramatta Club and what Jim Sarantino said to me, they could say, look, we're giving the opportunity for the club to answer this. This is a very positive article from a Parramatta perspective. What I suggest there is they've touched on the rumour, they've given it airtime and a response. This now becomes a, an article that they'll fall back to at some time through the year if if they feel that, it, that uh, they want to. So if it could be that Maybe there's a game or two that are lost, and all of a sudden, oh, one reference made, one hundred percent, mate. The, what was said? These sort of building blocks from the media are carefully laid, like you said, so they can fall back and reference them. The moment there's trouble in paradise, if you pardon the pun, uh, they would definitely come back to reference that article. You know, in January of 2021, we you know exclusively broke the story about how Paramount Eels head coach Brad Arthur is on the hot seat, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But yeah, like I said, that that's a, a problem for them. Well, I say problem, uh, that, that's something that could manifest down the road, and that's outside of Parramatta's control, unfortunately. The uh, media are a force unto themselves, and uh, you know if they're going to print those sort of things, there's not much you can do about it, barring winning on the field. Yeah, and look, let's, let's now put that one behind us, because it's, it's a shame to have to constantly defend a coach who has really turned this club around, and Perennial top four contender on the ascent, still on the hot seat, apparently. <laughs> yeah, apparently. So there is plenty of good news going around. Uh, in the um, Bumpers Up column, I did provide information about the development that's now kicked off up at the uh, Heli- Kellyville headquarters of the Parramatta Eels. So towards the end of last year, there was an announcement made about the council funding that was going towards the construction of an extra two football fields up there. So already the excavators are in. They're digging up the ground, the old car park that was there on the part of the complex that is literally sitting on uh, Memorial Avenue there. So there's going to be two fields uh, constructed at that end of of the complex they will sit in front of what will be the permanent centre of excellence when it's constructed. 
probably that should be finished within the next six to nine months. And then there will be, at that stage, five football fields available for the Eels to train on with the digging up that's occurring of the of one of the fields and the car park. They've got three fields that they're able to use within the uh, current headquarters of their uh, their training base. So a lot of interesting times going on up there. It's going to be fantastic when the facility's finished because not only are you going to have the centre of excellence there, you're going to have one of the grounds developed as a non-NRL match venue, so we'll be able to go and watch junior reps up at Kellyville. NRL, be... NRL trials too, probably be a yeah. reality of that uh, location. Yeah, yeah. well, they, they'll have a grandstand that's built there and they will be able to stage games that are, I suppose, going to host a smaller crowd. And also you've got to look at, it's going to be the entire Eels operation that will be there, all the lower grades, junior reps, hopefully an NRLW team by that stage mm-hmm. because we've got the uh, Tasha Gale, they're getting more and more numbers that are getting involved in the girls' pathways. So uh, maybe a couple of years down the track and we'll have the NRLW team from Parramatta there. The, the Eels had been teams. recently linked to interest in the NRLW too. So once that becomes uh, that location becomes a fully-fledged uh, facility in its own right to host games, you'd have to think that it would be you know, on the cusp of getting a team too. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. But just moving on with the news, we had the article about the Parramatta League's Police Rugby League Club and we've got our full interview with Anton, who's the captain coach of the Parramatta team, coming up later in this podcast. I'd suggest to people that they stick around for the end of the podcast because it's a fascinating story that Anton's got to tell. It's great that we've got a leagues club that we're all members of that get behind this Parramatta team in the uh, New South Wales police competition, provide them with a, a grant each year to allow them to be able to compete in the competition where there's a there's a chunk of it where they're having to get away from home, accommodation, travel, all that sort of thing. And it's it's a big financial burden on a group of players who can't really get involved in regular weekly competitions and training because they're involved in shift work. It's just a real challenge for police officers to be involved with sports teams. So when they're able to participate in the police competition, that gives them a terrific outlet for their physical um, health, their mental health, um, their bonding with other teammates, and, of course, they give, they give back so much to the community, not only in the jobs that they do, but through this particular club that they're involved with. So please stick around for that. Um, I've been covering the training reports, and there's been terrific news about the form of Blake Ferguson at training this year. Yes, his contract's up, but, man, this is, this is Fergie Ferg 2019 version where... He turned up to the club and I thought, how is a winger so influential as a leader? When he first fronted there, the enthusiasm, the leadership, the mentoring that he was involved in, it, it was quite extraordinary. And we have to say that by his own standards, last year just wasn't the same. And, I, I'm, and I'm going to be make a tough call. I'll say that he wasn't the same on the training track as well as the, as well as the football field. But... He's really come back all guns blazing 
this pre-season and the session that I watched on Monday was absolutely freaking unbelievable. So big news around Fergie in his form. He's been rewarded with selection in the uh, Indigenous All-Stars team. Mm -hmm. So that'll be one for the Eels to keep a lookout and have a bit of a, a sneak peek at his 2021 form. And apart from that, it's it's been all uh, full steam ahead at training. Intensity's really picked up this week, I'd have to say. Coaches are into them. They're really into them about their standards. And it's not, to me, their standards aren't dropping, but the expectations are really lifting. They're getting them into game mode and lifting their intensity at training as we start to incorporate a lot more football into the training component. BA's out there, he's, he's, he's getting stuck into them. If there's anything that's there, he's not happy with their energy, he's, he's letting them know what their goals are, what their uh, roles and responsibilities are. It's, it's been terrific to watch, especially in the last week or so. So lots around that's uh, happening with the, in the uh, Parramatta Club. And, um, of course, the big news for this week is commencement of the Junior Rugby Representative Rugby League Program. Yeah, first round of footy for the, the kids is happening this weekend. And, and of course, I, I will mention that if any of that stuff has piqued your interest, you can jump on the Cumberland Fro and join the conversation. Uh, Sixty's got his Bumpers Up article ready to roll, and obviously the uh, Parramatta League's Police Rugby League Club um, and that article on the, the Parramatta Stories, I think as you've titled it, mate, um, is there for everyone to digest, consume, and, and converse about. Is, mate. It sounds like it, it's it's the plenty of as usual plenty to digest on the Cumberland Road. <laughs> exactly, but yeah, let's let's talk junior football, mate. Like you said, uh, action starts this weekend on Saturday. We've got three grades uh, of footy. Unfortunately, this won't be live streamed. Uh, New South Wales Rugby League is live streaming up to one hundred select games this year, but I do believe they'll be focusing on the games where it's Tasha Gale, Harold Matthews, and SG Ball all at the same venue which means, if I'm not mistaken, that Parramatta Eels will have two home games uh, up for candidacy to be live-streamed on NSWRL. But uh, we've got those three games. Tasha Gale will be at Leichhardt at 11am against the West Tigers, where uh, the Harold Matthews and the SG Ball will be hosting the Manly Seagulls at Cabramatta, New Era Stadium, uh, kick-off 10am for the Harold Matthews, 1pm for the SG Ball. For the Tasha Gale, uh, the Eels will be lining up with Demia Pritchard at fullback, uh, Hannah McFadden and Tamira Liati or Liati on the wings. Apologies if I pronounce your names incorrectly, girls. Uh, in the centres, you've got uh, Talisha Pugh and Jacinta Tui. In the halves, uh, Lorene Luomanuve is at 5'8", with uh, Jada Torvai at halfback. In the front row, you've got Marfa Fua and Lasalio Sita Payne. Um, Christian Horfin will be the hooker. Uh, back row from left to right reads Lelani Tua, Sama Terari, and Ruby Jean Kennard. On the bench, you have Amina Kanj, Catalina Vave, Summer Brown, Taimani Kolomaka, and Rosalia Leah is the 18th man or woman in this case. Uh, in the Harold Matthews, as I said, kicking off at 10 a.m. at New Era, you have Patrick Spence at fullback. On the wings, you've got a couple of uh, behemoths in Suliasu Aho and Joshua Lialaoloto. In the centres, there's Charlie Geimer and Declan Murray. Makes for a very exciting backline. Terence Laffey and Ethan Sanders are your 5'8 and halfback. 
Big Sam Tuovati's in the number eight, and bookending with him is Orfag Mino. Yeya Ayachi is the number nine. Back row from left to right once again is Domenico the Stratus, Saxon Pryke, and Miles Martin. <clears throat> On the bench, there's Blaze Talangi, Jacob John, Joshua Alzahim, and Cooper Sinclair with Tyrese Lokeni as 18th man. Uh, that's a very uh, interesting bench, isn't it? 60s. Uh, a lot of utility, not much forward power. Yes, yes. And it might be an indication of the players that they've got available this week. We'll, um, that's true. We'll maybe find out a little bit of information on mm-hmm. that. And uh, also probably lends itself to the play style of Harold Matthews. Uh, very adventurous back line, very aggressive football, and it gives them a bit of utility from the bench. Exactly, yes. And now our... Uh, I suppose the the capstone game. It's the most senior grade on the day. The SG Ball kick off at twelve o'clock. Uh, Tyrone Sow at fullback. Totono Junior right and Freeman Forsyth on the flanks. Jock Brazel in the centres uh, alongside Gabriel Calache. In the halves you've got Josh Chapel and Keelan Bray. Uh, the hyphen Jonte Junior Beffen Mesa in the number eight. Um, in the front row of him is Brock Parker, Drew Lloyd at hooker. Uh, captain in the team and at edge is Peter Tateo, Maximus Tupo and Taylor Mawala at uh, Edge and Lock, respectively. On the bench, you've got Vlado Jankovic, Larry Moagututia, Koevi Lamesu, and Francis Fa'alfo Tuatino. Uh, Kylan Mafawa is your 18th man. Very, very interesting selection with Jock Brazel out in the centres, mate. Yeah, I suppose what you sort of alluded to it with the Harold Matthews, but that probably speaks towards availability more than anything else, doesn't it? Yeah, although he, and he did play a bit of time out in the centres during the trial against Penrith. And uh, from memory, I think it was his time out there where he even took an intercept. So he's a very strong runner out wide. He's obviously always plays on that edge. So one position out at centre might be... It, look, it's always it's always a big ask for anyone to play out of position. But um, I think he's, he's certainly got the... Um, Mobility. He packs a hit in defense too, so he's not afraid oh. of making contact. Mate, he he, he really was uh, one of the standout players in the trials. So, uh, looking forward to watch watching Josh uh, uh, Doc in action this week. And um, oh, but just getting. Oh, sorry. Quick, just sorry. Here you go. Oh no, you go ahead because I was just going to allude to. Um, the preseason as a whole. Yeah, well, I was just going to know, uh, say of quick note is that Tyrone Sow, uh, Jonte Jr. Beffen Mesa, and Captain Peter Tatio uh, rejoined the squad after a preseason with the flag. So that's a, a big boost to the SG ball ranks. Yeah, and it's really something that speaks to how the Eels look across the grades where they have to make some choices about players that play up in age or up in grade. There's a lot of those decisions this year. Appropriate grade. It's, mm. um, it's some interesting choices that they'll have to make this year. All right. So let, let's talk about the uh, assessing the preseason for the Eels. There were two sets of trials that we were party to. Uh, first week against the Dogs for the Mats and Ball, second week against the Penrith Panthers. Uh, the Tasha Gal had a, a few more games played. I think they played the Tigers and the Dogs on the day we played the Dogs. And then did they trial against the Panthers on the second week? Actually, mate, they had their trial against the Dogs 
in the week that we had our the that the SG ball and the Harold Mats had their trial against the Panthers. So they must have backed up against the Dogs because they definitely played the Dogs and the Tigers the first week. Yeah, so they had a um, a sixteen to twelve win against the Dogs. So, so two wins uh, and one and one narrow loss for their preseason, which is pretty positive. Yes, yes. So it's uh, and their first match this week is against the West Tigers, correct? Who who they did lose their um, first hit out against in the trial over at uh, New Era. So the the West Tigers, I think it was might have been two tries to nil yes. in that in that particular game, and I, the the early the early uh, collisions in that game. There was very much a possession advantage for the West Tigers. Yeah, I think the so, goals coughed up some costly uh, possession territory. Oh, they they were literally because they they were only they were playing they played like a half of football was uh, was the trial because they had the two the trials against the two different opponents in that first week. So they they had a, a half a game trial against the West Tigers, and they definitely just allowed the possession and the territory. To get the better of them in that first try, look, that was their first hit out. Exactly, and, and to, the, to their credit, I think the defensive aptitude was pretty good, considering the ball they turned over, and to only concede two tries was a sort of uh, validation of their efforts. Oh, look, it, the the conditions uh, at that time were look, they were still reasonably warm, even though it was getting on to the a cooler part of the night. Uh, first game of the season, a lot of turnover of possession, a lot of defensive pressure. So yeah, I think I think that Coach uh, Ryan Walker would have been fairly happy with the hit out, even though there was a, a loss there. A win or lose, it's it's probably not something that the coaches worry about. It's the how the how the team performs, um, how some of the individuals perform, effort areas, that sort of thing. So I think there were a lot of positives for all of the teams that came out of their trials, including the Tasha Gale team. It was interesting seeing the different uh, characteristics of the three teams. We, we spoke about the grit of the Tasha Gale and their sort of ability to compete that's going to hold them in good stead moving forwards from this Saturday. For the Harold Matthews, I think they're a, a very aggressive attacking team, um, very capable of moving the ball laterally, getting downhill and attacking, but probably a little bit error-prone. And I think that the as, as exciting as the young halves are, probably the biggest area of improvement they could make would be uh, their game control of their long kicking. And then you have the SG Ball in contrast, who are a much more fundamentally sound team, uh, much less aggressive in being expansive of the football, but really uh, bolted down into competing around the ruck, winning those collisions, and holding onto the ball. Well, that that aggression certainly comes in their defence. Yes, if they were they were almost ruthless in their defence in both games, we saw them shut out the dogs in their first trial, which was nine tries nine to nil. Yeah. And even though we saw uh, so many, that all those tries in that particular game, they won the middle. And basically I think in that trial bullied the dogs into a submission it, against the Panthers. You know that you're always going to get bigger questions that are asked of you. But as you said, it was, he, you've, you've got coach Craig Brennan 
has been able to get a team who, it seems in the trials that we've seen so far, follow the instructions and directions to the T. Just they seem to, um, he sends them out there with a game plan and he's got the sort of halves that will provide the, the direction that will keep them on that game plan. And you'd have to say that uh, Josh Chappell, who plays on the left side, mm-hmm. uh, very, very good kicking game, very good game management. Yep. And um, and his half, half's partner, uh, Keen Bray, I think from memory. Keelan so, Bray, uh, yes, uh, yeah. Yeah. Now, he's got a background in touch football. I think he's played representative touch football. I don't know if it's as high as Australia, but I know he's played representative touch football. Uh, very sharp player. I think he's a, a bit of a project to um, see where he can go as a as a halfback because he's got that pace off the mark. He's he's very much the running halfback, whereas and not to say that they don't that he and Josh don't link together because they do link together with a lot of the plays. I, something that I noticed with them. Uh, wrapping around to play on the same side of the field and link as halfbacks, almost in the as half and five eight, almost in the old style rugby league halves and five eights that we're starting to see a little bit come a little bit more back into the NRL these days. But they do link together well, and um, I think you. But you still have very much a, a bloke who looks like he's got a preference for the running game in Young Bray and the game manager in Chapel, and I think. The foundation around his his spine that he's got in the team, uh, Coach Brennan, and just a very very powerful, hardworking forward pack, and a backline that just they do what they have to do. It's um yeah it's a it's a, an interesting team that is lining up in the SG ball for Parramatta this the, year. The ball is such an interesting story because if the Eels wanted to, they could name such a loaded roster. Um, with the likes of Jake Arthur, Sean Russell and company um, being eligible for the uh, the new format being under-19s. But in a way, uh, this is such a great opportunity for these kids, a lot of whom have been part of the journey in this team, but they're now getting a chance to feature rather than being the guys on the bench. Well, it might be a case of the Eels might find a hidden gem in the grades mm-hmm. under these circumstances when there's players who might not necessarily have had the opportunity to start in matches if all of the eligible players were playing in that in that team. So yeah, I think the I think the likelihood is they might just find a hidden gem or two there. Someone that hadn't immediately been targeted as a likely prospect to advance through the pathways and um, yeah, I, I think it's a tremendous opportunity that they've got this year, and, and especially an especially welcome one too after last year. You'd have to say yes. so disappointing to have that competition shut down when they were what about five weeks in something like that last I year. I think it was four games in with the fifth game waiting to be played, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, but very disappointing for these young blokes and and girls. And you have to say that if you take out a year of development for players going through the pathway. That's that's a tough thing for them it's to face. Brutal, and, I, and I commend the New South Wales Rugby League for lifting the ages of the teams by one year so that 
players who maybe it was going to be their their last year in SG ball or flag last year in a in a graded age team, they get another chance. And I think that's they have to be the New South Wales Rugby League have to be commended for that. And of course, you can catch all of the action from the district reps or the junior reps this weekend on TCT. Uh, myself and Sixties will be there live blogging and covering the games live from Cabramatta. So feel free to jump into the blog and join the conversation. For us any questions you got about the kids as they play, and and yeah, and you know, catch all the action. Now, Sixties, you're going to speak more about our interview with Anton. Yes, mate. We're very excited about our series. We're calling the Parramatta Stories this year. Stories about people and organisations around the Parramatta districts that are, maybe don't get as much coverage as they should. And we're going to share those with you. Our first cab off the rank was the Parramatta Leagues Police Rugby League Football Club. Anton is the captain coach, and we recorded a chat with him earlier in the week. Too good, mate. Let's get right into it. Thanks for joining us, Anton. Can you give us a bit of a quick history of the team? Yeah, definitely. Uh, thanks for having me. Look, I will start by saying that Police Rugby League has been around for a very long time. Uh, it is well documented that back in the day, if you played or knew how to play rugby league when you joined the police force, you were expected to play rugby league in the police competition. That sounds good. Also... <laughs> yeah, definitely. And, and it's, it's probably the way that it should be now, uh, which it still was. But it was also well documented that players uh, would be actually rostered on shift just to play and compete in the competition. And uh, they were good times when the New South Wales Police Force had the full support of its organisation to provide and play rugby league. Uh, in regards to the competition, um, I believe at one stage back in the day, there were up to 18 teams in the competition. And this has dramatically changed in years uh, gone by due to numbers, uh, support, uh, HID, which is uh, heard on junior backing and, and financial backing. Uh, and the Police Rugby League competition is made up of eight teams now. Uh, the teams are Parramatta, Eastern Suburbs, Bankstown, Country South Illawarra, Hunter, Hunter Region, uh, Manly, MacArthur and Penrith. Um, so the way it works is each police station in the state uh, is attached to one of those teams. So what that means is that if you work at a police station like uh, Nepean, for example, you have to play for the Penrith team. So the players are only eligible for the teams in which they are stationed and where their catchment works. Right, so it's, it's almost like back in the days when uh, there was the residential qualification for rugby league where you had to live in the uh, area where you uh, the, the team that you played for. That's right, like the old state of origin rules as well before the uh, change. Yeah, that was what that immediately jumped out to me was sort of state of origin type eligibility. That's right, yeah. So it's a, it's a similar thing. Like there are exceptions to the rule uh, with units like the Riot Squad who work in Homebush. So the riot squad are like a state resource and, and cover every part of Sydney. They don't belong to any police station because they're a state resource. And as, as such, those players, they can nominate who they want to play for. But the thing is that each club is only allowed to have a maximum of five players from outside their catchment to nominate to play for their team. There are other rules, but they're all more technical, but those ones previously mentioned are probably I, more, I, most I, important. I, oh, it's the old import rule. Yeah, I hope the New South Wales Police got that down as one of the perks of the job when you apply for the right police. They actually get the pick which uh, rugby team, rugby league team you get to play for. <laughs> yeah, it. it does. It does make it a bit more appealing, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, that's that. That's fascinating. So we've we've got all the different precincts and and the stations being yep. allocated to these different teams. What is the actual structure or, or format of the competition that you're playing in? Yeah. So. In 
2000, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about our team, so before I go sure, on. Sure. Um, so I know that our Parramatta club, uh, the current one now, was involved a very long time ago. However, for one reason or another, they were not able to sustain themselves in the competition and ended up folding. I, I have received information that they did participate in the very first season, which was approximately 1970. However, I'm not too sure when they folded from that competition. Uh, in 2012, uh, a police officer named Daniel Orchard from Fairfield Police Station took on the challenge uh, to form up that team again. Daniel and a number of key personnel created the club and, and did all the hard work getting it started. Uh, you can imagine in tough times uh, in 2012 and 2013 with the club just kicking off, a friend of mine actually played at the time and confirmed that every game that had uh, min minimal numbers showing up uh, and on most occasions played with 11 or 12 players. And you can imagine the score lines when taken on a full team in, in an 80-minute game. They lost every week. Uh, sorry, they lost every game those two years. Uh, and because of those score lines, recruitment was really hard at the time. It took a lot of work and, and a lot of hard work from people to commit and make it work. Um, I graduated from the police academy in August 2013 and played my first rugby league uh, game in the police competition that year. My brother Alex is also a police officer and graduated in December 2012. Uh, the following year, I was sort of introduced to the coach of the club and made the decision to play. And in your first year of policing, you are ranked as a probationary constable until you pass the assignments and exams. So after 12 months, you become a confirmed constable. Now, the advice from the bosses and senior management at the time and your education officer is to not play rugby league as, as the threat of injury could slow your progression to become a constable. Uh, and if you're not able to complete your studies and be on the road in that first year, you will likely be delayed and, and won't get your stripe until you have a chance sort of to get back on the road. Uh, there are some exceptional circumstances, and it's happened before where players get injured and actually have to be removed from the police because they can't complete that first year. So you are taking a risk by playing. Jeez. Uh, like I love rugby league, so the thought of not playing never crossed my mind and, and my brother was the same. And I remember Daniel Orchard reaching out to all eligible police stations at the start of the 2014 season. Uh, his intention was to target recruitment early on. Uh, I remember going to my first training session in two, 2014 and seeing good numbers. Uh, I had a good chat to Daniel about the makeup of the squad and, and the captain that year was Brendan Bright who worked with me at the time. Uh, in 2014, we did not win a single game. Uh, we came close a couple of times. We just never got the job done. Um, now, I'm not too sure. Would you like me to continue or? Just, yeah, yeah, of course. Just, uh, let, yeah, let's take us through with um, how things progress. Yeah. Yeah, so at the beginning of 2015, our captain, uh, Brendan Wright, had secured a transfer to another police station uh, in a country town. So this meant that he was uh, no longer to be, uh, no longer eligible to play for us. At the time of his departure, our coach Daniel asked Brendan who should be the captain of the team going forward. Uh, Brendan told Daniel that it had to be me, uh, myself, as he could see me taking the team forward and, and helping run the team one day. In 2015, I was named captain for that season. Uh, and it was a little intimidating at first because I was playing with several police who were much more senior than me, had been in the job for 5, 10, 15 years, including detectives and some sergeants as well. So, They're the ones you got to make run some extra laps. <laughs> well, and you know what? They probably needed it as well. Um, I, I wish I could have. Again, I was, I was a one-year constable, and he's made me captain of this team. You can imagine how uh, it was a little bit daunting at yeah, first to be able to talk, talk to these squad members, talk to them at training. Um, but honestly, our squad was great, um, and we got comfortable with each other really quick. They, they knew I was in it, and I was all for Parramatta, and, and how much I wanted success for the club. Um, 
in 2015, we actually had a great season. Uh, we made the grand final. And I think we ended up losing by two or four points. Um, and it was obviously a massive change from not winning a game in three years. Uh, in 2016, um, we lost in the preliminary semi-final, and that game hurt because we had a lot of chances to win that game and still lacking that execution. Um, I'll tell you about the success in 2017, which is the most important in our club's history. I'll ask you, I'll ask you guys, uh, the name Steve Gus Goshen. Does that ring a bell to you? Yes. Yep. Yep. So he, he was he was a coach with a really good reputation. He coached, I think it was the Western Suburbs Magpies. Yes. Um, and that year started really well, 2017, because we were introduced to Steve Gus Goshen through, I think, his daughter or his daughter-in-law works at um, Parramatta Police Station, and she made the introduction because we had a number of police playing for Parramatta. Uh, and Steve was... Um, Fully, um, fully intending to come on board and 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 reached out to me and, and made every effort and and he was great. Uh, we picked up some new players that year and and the existing players obviously had another year experience. Um, but I say 2017 was the most important in our club's history because we actually won the the club's first grand final that year. Uh, it was against uh, Country South Illawarra on a on a very wet and cold night at Cabramatta. Every player will still remember that. Uh, yep. The game went down to the wire. I still remember the excitement and relief from every player as the final whistle went. Um, there were a lot of injuries that game as well, but it was great to get that first grand final, be a part of that team, you know. And the players knew we were, we were always going to be etched in, in the history of Parramatta in that competition, getting the first grand final for our club. Yeah, yes. And uh, yeah, I suppose for, for supporters, it would be like the equivalent of um, people who've never, who were born well after Parramatta won their first title and... Uh, are waiting for that time where they can celebrate uh, that first title. Uh, older blokes like me, they, we remember the <laughs> 81, but there's plenty of people like John who's uh, yeah. to, say that it, that it, to experience that. So That's I, can, right. I can imagine what that felt like for you. It was fantastic. And the game was at Cabramatta. We actually had a really good turnout. Like the stadium was full. And that doesn't happen a lot in police footy. But on this occasion, I'm, I'm not too sure what sort of promotion we used, but we had a lot of people there and, and the crowd was great, and obviously everyone's family was there. And, um, you know, having them there to watch us, you know, sort of make history, um, was, for me, personally, it was a massive deal. Um, after what we went through those last, you know, those previous years, struggling to field a team, struggling to, to, to get a win, um, to going on to winning our first grand final was massive, especially for Steve uh, Goshen. Like, he came in, he made some massive changes, and, and to be honest, some of those changes I really thought were questionable. Um, but now I see, and after the game and how everything worked out, I see why he made those changes and it was so important. He moved players out of position that had played there for three years and he just took them and put them in, like our hooker, for example, took him, put him in the forwards, made a massive impact out there on the second row, um, made a few changes and, and, and he served the team really well, obviously got us that premiership. It's a, amazing what a bit of perspective can do when you can step back after the process, isn't it, and, and see you know, where the decisions were made and how, how they were you know, positive impacts. Um, That's if, the only way to put it, yeah. And to, exactly right. To step back and, and look at it from a different perspective. It's hard to see when, obviously, you're, you're happening or, mm-hmm. being, you know, being involved in the club for so long. But his, obviously, different vision was was changed everything. He uh, sort of gave us that win, I guess. With that 2017 season, what's the road to the grand final like? How many games do you play? What's the final structures? Yeah, so there are eight teams in the competition, the, the ones I previously named earlier. We... Uh, we played, I think we played 10 games that year. 
um, before the finals start. Um, it starts, the competition kicks up at the same time as the NRL, so in March, and then finishes sometime around July. Obviously, we don't have as many games as, as first grade, but our, our competition wrapped up sometime in July in, in sort of peak winter and the peak cold. Um, so that's why it was a really wet night. Yeah. But it's the same. The, the structure's changed since then. Would that would that be right? Yeah, yeah. So from 2012 to 2017, it was a fortnightly comp. We used to play every second week, um, and then after that comp, because some teams were struggling to get players. Example like country country South Illawarra, for example, they have a lot of players who live a fair distance away. It, it was difficult to get them to come down every second week to a game or organise training. So the committee, the New South Wales committee, decided to uh, change the format to a one-week competition to be held in a particular, you know, city or the old or school area. Boy, that's the old schoolboys carnival. <laughs> that's right, and that and that's what they it was. We called it the air, the police rugby league carnival, and they decided that it'd be held at uh, Port Macquarie because they played there a few years earlier and really enjoyed it before 2012. Uh, so that that was the decision to make to move back to uh, to the Port Macquarie competition, one-week competition. You play Monday to Friday. Uh, some I think one of those days you play two games, and, and come the end of the week, it's it's really about stamina, um, fitness, mm. um, recovery. Uh, those are probably the biggest things that got you to the grand final. Who, whichever team could sort of address those the most, to uh, make it to Friday and play in the grand final because your genuine, body is really genuine strong. war of attrition, isn't it, mate? That that's exactly right. That's the way to put it. Yeah. So you, you are now kicking off every year with this intense week of footy away from home. So you're when you're talking about being away for that those weeks, that's an annual expense. So it must be make it pretty challenging to keep the team together. How, how do you how do you get by with that sort of expense and, and challenge? Look, uh, I have said this to several members of the board at Parramatta Leagues Club and, and several staff members and, and Sarah who I deal with and uh, Maria before her um, I continually express my gratitude because the truth is, without Parramatta Leagues Club, um, our season's not possible. And what they do is they provide us with a grant which um, is used to sort of get our season underway and, and keep our season alive for the year. And without this grant, my job gets 10 times harder to sort of run and organise a team. Each, like each police officer who participates in this competition is required to spend one week away from their home and their families. Mm. And that's the reality for police wanting to play rugby league. It's just a sacrifice you have to make. And this makes it difficult sometimes to get everyone involved in that one-week competition. Yeah. Further yeah. to this, there is that financial burden, which could be a big factor for police officers wanting to be, be involved. So the club grant provided by Parramatta Leagues Club helps me to limit that financial burden on each police officer the funds are used to assist with expenses related to travel, uh, gear, equipment, game day preparation. You know, you need your strapping, you need your uh, your DP, you need that sort of stuff. Uh, this further enables our club to remain attractive through, you know, club gear and presentation, which in turn results in further equipment, recruitment and participation. And that aspect leads us to remain competitive. So without good sort of financial backing and, and the backing of Parramatta Leagues Club, I can safely say that our club is nowhere near in the position that we're in at the moment. So it really, when this, when it changed that sort of format, that that really turned things um, upside down, didn't it, in terms of expenses to be able to build teams and to and to get people to commit to being away and and that sort of thing. So 
Yeah, that is really good from the uh, from the, the club that they uh, got involved from that perspective. Um, there's probably not a lot of people know about that sort of stuff. So, yeah, yeah well, more thanks sharing that with us. No, absolutely. More people should. Um, the clubs generosity, like you know, Parramatta Leagues. I mean, they don't do it just for us. I've met I've met several people now who who were assisted by Parramatta Leagues, and again, they showed their gratitude. We had the uh, the function the other night, the other week um, at Parramatta Leagues Club. We had a really good night. I met the board of directors. I met a lot of people who are really grateful for what Parramatta Leagues do for them, and, and just to be invited to that event, I was you know very much appreciative of, of that invite alone, and um, being in the company of the directors. You know, who take the time to come out and meet all the people that sort of they're supporting. It's it's a fantastic club to be involved with, and yeah, again, like you can't express your gratitude enough uh, because without Parramatta Leagues Club, a lot of this stuff doesn't happen. That's uh, now, uh, I was gonna say that's really good to hear, Anton. But he sort of um, while he's telling his fantastic story, he sort of preempted my next couple of questions, um, yep. which which is fine because he was telling it a, a fantastic way, um, but. On top of your 2017 success, how's the team gone since? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's 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 a really good story because, in, like I said, in 2018, the committee, the New South Wales Rugby League Committee, uh, decided to have a break from the fortnightly comp and turn it into like a one-week state competition. And it was meant to be held at a different destination each year. Um, I think they always agreed that it was going to be at Port Macquarie uh, the first year and and we already knew, the players we already knew we were going to be required to take one week annual leave to be involved and there was going to be a financial burden and, and a, um, uh, a constraint like that. 2018 was our first year there. Uh, it was not a successful year for us. The games were pretty much played in torrential rain and <laughs> it did not suit our style at all. It, it hampered the, we had the quickest backs in the comp and it hampered the speed of all our side backs. And you still see in modern day rugby league now, if, you know, the rain does suit some teams and and, that, yeah. and it just doesn't suit us. And that's what happened right. at Port Macquarie at 2018. Um, in 2019, the competition was again held in Port Macquarie because of sort of the success of the previous year. It was really good. Um, it's a really good location. There's no doubt about that. Everyone loves Port Macquarie. Yeah, um, I grew up on Midnoff Coast in Coffs and Port was always a fun trip for um, footy. So I can attest to that. That's right. And, you know, the facilities down there are great as well. Um, there's a lot of good restaurants and, and stuff like that. And in 2019, uh, when we went down, uh, we were prepared and, and the moods, it's hard to explain, but we were really ecstatic and pumped about being there. We picked up a lot of new faces and quality footballers. Uh, in 2019, um, we just knew something was going to be different. And, and it was because in 2019, we delivered Parramatta its second grand final trophy. Um, and what made this more special was that it was the first time our club had ever won a grand final in the one-week competition format which was yep. played since, you know, 1970 and up until now. It's the first time Parramatta had ever won in that format as well. So 2017 was the fortnightly comp. We won it in that format. And now in the one-week competition, we also won the grand final. And we played mainly in the grand final and had a beautiful day weather-wise. That's, uh, that's we like Hollywood writing right there. Parramatta v Manly taking home the, the, the title. You love that stuff. We, uh, I, I can't explain the joy and... and and um, and just how happy the the boys were when we were out that day and the sun was out and we just I think we all had a feeling we knew it was going to be a good day. We ended up I think we ended up finishing the game thirty eight to ten, and we just played a pretty much a perfect game of footy. Yeah. And we just knew when the sun came out that day, it, it suited us and we were ready to go. And 
And the relief that that was massive, knowing that as members of the squad, we would pretty much forever be etched into that history of that jersey in the competition. And I remember straight after the first thing I'd done, um, I got two jerseys. I think I think I got the number one jersey in my jersey, um, and we got the players to sign all of it. Um, everyone to do a signature on the jersey. And the first thing I done was get them framed. Um, That's and awesome. A little plaque with everyone's names who were involved that day, because our club has only been around all. Well, since I've been involved, properly since 2012, like it's the history that I know about. You've got, so, you've got to immortalize those moments and build a club around that, don't you? Exactly right. And I want to, I want to create that culture. I want to create that, um, that reading for people to know about us, uh, for the new players that come on board, uh, you know, for the generations ahead. You know, hopefully Parramatta's still around, and and I want people to know, you know, what we achieved and give them something to work for as well. You sort of alluded to it before when you're leading into my last question uh, with the speed in the back line, but how would you describe uh, those Parramatta teams that won the premierships as far as their strengths, both individual and as a team? Yeah, um, and it's definitely I'm always something I'm always happy to talk about. Look, I know that the strength possessed by our side is our defence. Uh, our club has always been uh, known for being hard to breach as a line and always like presenting a, blue, a strong blue wall. That's how clubs always knew our team. That's how we always knew our team. In regards to talent, we have a lot in the side, like spread out across the park. Uh, we have a lot of um, tall, uh, fit, uh, quick centers and outside backs who, where, that's where all the points come from for us. Uh, we love shifting the ball. We've got really good halves. We have a we have a former under-20s player as well. And I believe he was at Parramatta for a few years, Daniel Marnie. Um, he played he played in the under-20 system for Parramatta who, he eventually joined the police. I think it was 2015 he joined the police, 2016. He plays for our club. Um, and as if anything sport-related, a lot of it comes to confidence. And if the players in your squad are comfortable, they will produce their best football. And, and our club was like that. We were really comfortable with each other. Um, we really got along well. Uh, there was no issues within the camp. We have a lot of representative players as well. And I'll tell you a little about the rep sides later, but uh, we had a lot of players who represented the New South Wales police team. Um, the Australian police team, um, and obviously that that becomes a factor as well. You know, it's good quality to have on the park and, and lead your team around. But you you touched on uh, before when you took on the uh, that captain coach role and the um, the challenges of having those senior officers that are there that um, you were making them. I know I had that feeling you're making them run into the laps, do a few extra push ups, but. That, that role, that does hark back to the old days of rugby league or even bush rugby league with the old captain coach. Is that a is that a tough gig to be the coaching the team as well as the player out on the field? Look, it's not difficult on the field to do the job, only off the field. Um, of course, it always comes down to the squad and the members in your squad, but th- those who are involved in, in the coaching or running of any club know that it's extremely difficult to organise a rugby league club as such. The the main man sort of helping me on this occasion uh, was our club manager and, and now president. He's he's doing both roles. He's Ellie Elgino. He's he's helped me since 2015 in running this club and keeping it together. Uh, the amount of work that goes into organising the squad for a one-week competition alone is hard enough. There are also the trial games, mid-year games, Austad competitions. Um, we try to run our female police games. The Those aspects... That's the hard part. If you have a, a squad who's really behind what you're saying and, and doing, then that's that's easy. Like the, the coaching will come easy. Um, police rugby league is a little bit different. We don't get to train 
as many times as we want to or as many times as first grade sides or Ron Massey or, or any of those other competitions because because of our schedules. Our schedules make it really hard for us to sort of get more than probably 15 people to training. Like we'd be lucky to get 15 at training. So we have to run several training sessions on a, you know, do it on a Sunday in the hope that we can get people down there. Um, but yeah, in regards to coaching uh, and captaining the side, I always say on the field, very easy because I have good support. My vice captain, uh, Peter Zebots, is also our forward leader. Um, he, he looks after the forwards. I look after the backs. And it, it's, it's, it's really an easy transition. That's pretty much the only way I can sort of put it. No, just that... on, the, on the logistics of that, just sorry, just a, very quickly, um, because you're playing these, uh, like you mentioned the other matches that you end up playing throughout the year, the, like some challenge matches or um, matches against other, other stations and what have you. Do you have to keep finding a time through the year to keep to come together for training or do you, or do you organise that training around whenever your next match is? Yeah, it's, it's probably um, the latter part. We, we organise training around where that match is. So when we know we have a match coming up, probably about four weeks before, we try to get, you know, three, two or three, four sessions in. Yeah. Um, it's Like I said, it's really hard. Like, you'll be lucky to get more than you, – you, you'll probably never get more than 20 at training. 15 or 20 is about right or, 10, you know, 13 to 15 players. Um, but, yeah, no, it, it's more as the matches sort of come around we try to get the players involved. We want to set up structure again and, and go through all that sort of stuff. I'll tell you what, I'm really looking forward to these, the answer to the next two questions that Cordy's got coming your way. <laughs> I think these sort of harken back to um, most people's footy memories in terms of uh, the competition and the banter that goes on. But um, uh, competition invariably breeds rivalries, even when the game's being played in good nature. Uh, are there any teams where the boys and yourself are particularly fired up to claim the bragging rights? Is there perhaps a... Western Sydney rival or two that um, gets the fire and the blood burning? Yeah, look, we definitely do have a rivalry, but it's it's definitely not Western Sydney rivalry. It's East versus West. Ah, uh, for there us, we go. Yeah, for us, it's the Eastern Suburbs Police Team. They're probably our biggest, or they are our biggest rivalry. Um, are they the Latte Brigade there as well? That's that's exactly what they're known as. That's correct. <laughs> the, the Cake Eaters. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that that leads and, me. Oh, sorry, you, you go right. No, absolutely, and and I believe that rivalry is there because of the success of both of our teams over the probably the last five years and, and the close games we have had. Um, we always love we always love taking them on. I personally love taking them on because I love trying to get that one up on them, and they love doing the same to us. We've had some really important games that have led to finals and, and grand finals. Um, and I think we're next due to meet each other on February 26th in a trial game for the uh, the Queen Cardi Shield. Um, and that trial game will be held at um, a location next to Liverpool. And, and this is a really good chance to test our squads before we leave uh, for the one-week competition this year to be held in Tamworth. 100%. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that, to that sort of uh, that game against them. Well, the, um, the latte sipping and cake eating sort of leads me in perfectly to the next part. Um, yep. I'm curious, as, you know, as a bloke that's played plenty of footy growing up and you know, you sort of, you trade barbs and, and sledges and whatnot in the field. Is the on-field banter any different in a police derby? Uh, do the wingers holler about getting out the speed radar to check how fast they are? Yeah. Um, all right, let me tell, I'll tell you one thing. Most of our wingers should probably be playing in the middle of the field. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
you can come along and watch our bait, uh, our games. They don't have much speed, and I'll, I'll tell you that truthfully. Uh, if, in regards to on-field banter, uh, there's there's plenty of it. Uh, it's great to see sort of when a scuffle breaks out and people are watching and don't know who to call. Um, <laughs> you know, they see the police fighting the police. What do we do? Uh, in recent years, the competition has really cleaned up though and come quite good. And I think that's sort of uh, on par with what's happening in the NRL. You obviously don't see that sort of niggle anymore. Yeah, you don't yeah. see that fighting anymore. So it's really, in the last three years, there's, there hasn't been much of it in police footy. We still get plenty of it. There's still plenty of band and niggling, but nothing that sort of can't be reciprocated, nothing that you can't give back. So, yeah, that's that's sort of my response to that. <laughs> that's fine, that's fine. <laughs> uh, look, you, you mentioned the funding from Parramatta Leagues Club a little bit earlier and how it helps in the participation in the competition. And it, it's terrific when you get the police and a, and a big organisation like the Leagues Club come together in the community. But um, outside of the footy itself, how does this shared passion about rugby league, how does that help in the community outreach? And, and how does that, the way yourself and the Leagues Club have come together, how does that help the general community as a whole? So, so as a team and as a police station and as, as a police officer, uh, we have a lot of people who are engaged in, in community outreach. And, and from a person who loves all sports and any kind of physical activity, physical activity, sorry, we work hard with other members of our police stations to sort of encourage that sort of uh, competition. So our youth liaison officer uh, attached to our police station is Ellie Eljama, who is also the manager and president of our club. And Ellie has been doing this role for several years now, and he's great at it. He's well known amongst uh, our schools and preschools for his work. And he's constantly involved in education talks and programs with the kids to educate them on bullying and cyberbullying and, and all that sort of stuff. We've done a lot of work in the past. Um, Ellie's done a lot of work to organise uh, competition games like dodgeball. Uh, we've gone out to a few schools versus the teachers versus the kids in dodgeball. Um, I've organised members of our police club. Uh, we've taken on schools like um, and organised like uh, social interactive days with schools in the area like the uh, Maryland's uh, High School, Maryland's Primary School, uh, Greystains, all those sort of areas. We've organised touch footy days, Austag days. Um, in 2019, uh, sorry, 2020 was obviously a little bit different because of COVID that sort of restricted all our um, movements, which, which really sucks because everyone was, again, all the members uh, from our states and were again going out and looking forward to taking on the kids and the teachers. Um we're heavily involved in the uh, the PCYC programs. You probably know about PCYC in Parramatta. Yes. Yep. Uh, Ellie's Ellie's uh, responsible for a lot of classes. Um, we've all been involved and, and done a lot of classes with the kids who come and train. Uh, there's a lot of work. There's a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes, and and Ellie's got to take a lot of credit for that as well for for the, all the work he does. Um, and we want to do more. I reached out. I told Parramatta Leagues already. This or this last year, I was planning on. Organising a touch footy and I'll say day with uh, Parramatta, the, the high schools in Parramatta, because of COVID that didn't work out. We're looking forward to doing it this year, if it permits. Um, and we have a lot of we have a lot of stuff in the, in the works that we want to do for a lot of the kids as well. That's, a, that's Look, awesome. I, I just and just before you go on any further about that, this is it's something that has occurred to me that with the the police and the police officers themselves that. Especially when we uh, look, the job's challenging enough as it is, and there's been extra challenges that have come about with COVID, and just the, I suppose the, the physical and mental health of being able to play footy 
and get out and be involved in that sort of thing. That I mean, that's not only good for the police officers, that's got to be good for um, the communities that they serve as well, that you've got police officers who, I suppose, are feeling good about themselves and, and, and feel as healthy as they can by being involved in, in footy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I suppose one way to put it is, obviously, we are emergency services. Everyone knows that. We, a lot of people don't know that when ambulance, when fireys uh, are contacted, our sort of system, our computer dispatch system is also triggered. So all these jobs that all these other emergency services go to, police are always there. Police are always the first on, well, not always the first on scene, but they're always on scene. And a lot of the time, they're the first on scene. And you can imagine we see some stuff that, you know, no one outside our job would see. No. Yeah. So mental health, it plays a big factor. And, um, you really, you'd see, you'd see a mixture of, you know, some, some joyous moments in people's lives, but some of the worst moments that people would face. And that's just the reality of the job, isn't it? That you've, that you've seen things of life at its, sometimes life at its best, but oftentimes life at its worst. You know what, Craig, and, and that's really the only way to put it. You've, you've pretty much hit the nail on the head there. We, those circumstances, you're right. Sometimes, you know, we're there for the best moments and, and those really daunting moments in people's lives, uh, you know, we get there. It, it's, you got to do every effort you can to sort of, uh, um, sort of appreciate their level and what they're going through. Yeah. Uh, it's, it can be really hard at times. Um, you know, you got to, I guess Sorry. it's hard to, um, despite the training that you have, be prepared for the full gamut of things that you're going to face in your career. There's going to be many moments where it'll be like, oh, man, you know, like, you, and, and you just have to, and you have to deal with it as a professional in that occupation with your people. That's the thing, you're, the, you're people like, like everyone else, but, man, you know, it's like what you what you have to face would be such a challenge. That's exactly right, and you know this is what we're paid to do. This is, um, you know, this is our job. We can't just turn turn around and walk away. And you know, you know yeah. that, and we appreciate that. And you know, again, you you see some stuff. You like sometimes you wish you hadn't seen it. Yeah. Okay, but you know, we understand that's our job. And and again, I've I've never worked with a police officer who shied away from the job. To be honest, I'm. You know, all the police officers I've ever known have always, you know, sort of displayed that courage. Um, so I can't ever fault anyone, but, you know, you, you wouldn't blame them if they ever, you know, turned their head and, and sort of walked away and said, this is, this is a little too hard. Yeah. So, so just on a personal note, Anton, what does yeah. rugby league mean to you? Yeah, it's, it's a hard one to answer. It's, you know, like asking someone what does family mean to you? Um, you know, it's, I grew up and I started playing rugby league when I was five years old and, and my mum on, on her own took me, uh, to every training session, uh, every game, um, you know, up until, you know, the time I sort of I could drive and, you know, I love rugby league. I've always been involved in rugby league. Um, I've coached since I was 18 years old. I've, I've always coached under sixes and under sevens and under eights. Um, and, you know, recycled every year doing those sort of, those juniors. Um, 
I love everything about it. Um, I love all the branches of rugby league. I love Australia. I love touch footy. Anytime I have a football in my hand, I'm happy. And that's why there's always one in my office at my desk. And uh, what other way is there to explain it? That's a good answer, involved. mate. That's a very good answer. I, I suppose what you're basically saying is you couldn't imagine your life without it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. You know, from I watch every rugby league game every week. Um, you know, on top of that, you, you probably know and it's got a really big and, you know, there's a super cash and there's a tipping and, you know, anything associated with rugby league, you know, we're involved in. And, and it's not just me. There's, there's, a, there's a lot of people like me who sort of live for it. Um, that's why I do the coaching. That's why I go through the headaches and uh, all the pains just to make sure that, you know, we can be involved because if someone doesn't do it, then you know, there's a good group of guys from Parramatta that don't play rugby league. So someone has to do it. Someone has to put their hand up. And, and I'm happy to, you know, if it results in all of us playing rugby league and doing what we love. Well, I, you know, we didn't ask you through this. What position do you play? So I've, I've uh, grown up playing fullback, fullback and 5'8". Yep. But in recent years and my age and... Um, probably slow me down a little so I'm, I'm slightly moving into the lock position as, now as you've become more experienced you've, uh, yeah, we'll you've transitioned you transitioned to lock forward where you can influence the game more yeah okay. we'll, say, yeah. we'll say that we'll say that yeah, you just, you know, the hands getting on the ball just a bit more exactly the, you know you're doing the harder yards with the defense look we, we've I've, I've been very lucky I've been very fortunate with the, uh, with the police win in our rugby league um, competition so from the from the one week competition or the fortnightly comp, whichever way it used to be, from that they select a city country team to go to play at a different country location every year. Um, from the city country game, they select a New South Wales police team, and those trips are are pretty much what probably ninety percent of the boys in the in the competition are playing for. They're playing for a spot in that New South Wales police rugby league team, yeah, because the organisation organises the best trip and the trip that everyone wants to be a part of. And every every year it's at a different state. We either go to Queensland or it's here or it's in a state belonging to the um because the third team in is the Victorian ACT. They have the third team. So we do a tri-series every year. Yeah. And then from that tri-series they select the Australian Police Rugby League team, which is the highest sort of representative honor in um in the police. And I've been lucky enough to sort of be selected for the Australian police team. Oh, and well, we were lucky oh, enough. Well, yeah, well they yeah. Yeah, thank you. And that we were lucky enough to go to um, – we played in New Zealand. We were meant to have two games. Unfortunately, England pulled out, so we only had one game against New Zealand. Classic Ponds. That was in – yeah, Classic Ponds. <laughs> and uh, and we were lucky enough to have a game uh, over in New Zealand at Mount Smart Stadium. We played before the Warriors game in uh, 2018. Oh, it was and Absolute cracker of a game, cracker of a year. And we ended up getting the win against New Zealand on their own serve. I think we got them 24 to 12. Um, but again, the representative honours are a big reason why police and, and people want to play and participate in the competition for those representative honours. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been a, a part of the, I've been lucky enough to be a part of the New South Wales squad now for a couple of years. And, and police, again, uh, and these games in rugby league, it's as much about making friends and meeting new people as it is about playing rugby league. And, and you make so many new friendships for rugby league. Uh, you meet so many new people. And that's why. That's why, again, a lot of parents and they commit their kids to rugby league because it builds confidence. It makes them friends, and and it's great to see. And that's all we need to have more of that. Exactly, mate. mate that's fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Now I'm going to pencil in for the the New South Wales team in 2021 right now. 
Um, but yeah. you, you've mentioned that you've got the trial against Eastern Suburbs coming up in the end of February. What's in store for yourself and the rest of the team in 2021? How far are you going this year? I'm, I'm pretty confident this year. We've picked up a, a lot of new numbers. We've picked up two new props. Um, we just started at my station. Um, so they're going to be eligible to play. Uh, one of them is a former Parramatta SG ball player um, who sort of transitioned to rugby union. One of them is an English bloke who came over from England about five years ago. Really strong accent, the, really big unit. The only good import in rugby league is an English forward in terms of the POM, so you've got a good one there. Don't don't get the backs right, or whatnot, yeah. but the forwards. I was going to say that, yeah, the backs never work out, but we've got forwards, so it's all right. <laughs> um, now, nah, look, in, in, in 2021, um, want to get everyone down there. This year, the competition's been moved to Tamworth, so we're going there for, for the one-week competition. Uh, this trial game against East will be a really good chance. We've got about 40 people who are, who are going to be playing this trial, so it'll be a really good chance to sort of um, pick our strongest 25 to take with us to Tamworth. Uh, I'm, I'm confident we can go all the way. We had to squad for it. We should have last year. We, we lost in the semi um, last year to... Uh, we actually lost to Eastern Suburbs by uh, four points uh, in the semi. Um, we should have been in the grand final last year, but it didn't work out. It wasn't meant to be, and, and this year I'm looking to make amends. Well, mate, we can't think of anything better than a blue and gold jersey lifting a trophy. That's... Um... That's that's always good news on, in our books. Um, <laughs> I'd, I'd love to see the first grade team. Yes, yes. This year. Let's get success on both fronts. I think that's the uh, the big goal yeah, for twenty twenty one. Yeah, we need Brad and the boys to deliver us a trophy this year, <laughs> and I think I think it's a great time to do it. There are a lot of good recruits, um, you know, from all accounts, a very strong preseason. Uh, hopefully, we you know twenty twenty one can bring some success. Preach it, brother, mate. Mate, it's it's that's our bread and butter. You're talking, you're, you're absolutely talking our language now, mate. It's, uh, yeah, so look, thanks for joining us today, Anton. Uh, best of luck with this, with this season and, um, and also, uh, we wish, we wish you well in, uh, in your work this year too. Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks, a lot, thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure. Thanks mate. so much for having me. Much appreciated. Cheers. Uh, once again, we'd like to extend a sincere thank you to Anton for joining TCT and myself in 60s to talk footy and the Parramatta community. Uh, it was a fantastic conversation. And that'll just about do us, mate, for another episode of The Tip Sheet. Uh, so for all those that are listening, be sure to catch all of the action from the junior reps on Saturday on thecumberlandfro.com. Uh, jump into the conversation, ask us any questions. And yeah, exciting times. We're ramping up big time as the NRL preseason uh, moves into bigger and bigger gears. Uh, NRL trials are just around the corner. And uh, the season's not far off, mate. You've been on fire today, mate, and uh, cheers, everyone. Love having you guys listening. We'll see you next time.